Happy holidays, Emily. Happy holidays, Stu, and everybody listening. It's just been our fearless little family here in our big house in, in Concord. And uh, we've been making much more merry than prior years, I feel we're like. We're leaning in this year. Yeah, we're definitely We decorated the whole house, multiple rooms. There's there's Christmas lights everywhere. I made 11 stockings. I didn't make, sorry, I did not make the stockings. You, I well, bought you didn't the stockings. Knit, you didn't knit them. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I got a glue gun and I put all of our housemates' names um, and then our five pets. Um, and then I use glitter to like make it. It always sounds like so many pets when we actually put six a people to them. and five pets. It's a lot. We're not outnumbered yet. <laughs> we're not. not um, yet. so everyone has, yeah. So we, we did that. Um, yeah, I've, I'm definitely leaning in this year more than I ever have because, because what else? Because what else? Because what it's, else is there to do? And we've been blasting Christmas music, which has been really fun because in the past, Tom's been sort of allergic to Christmas music because he worked retail for so long. Yeah. And it was just like droned into his brain totally. and he was and it was just unhappy memories. And this year he's like, Oh, I can like enjoy it in the way that normal people can. And so Yeah, it does. Been nice. it, when I was working at Trader Joe's back oh, in the yeah. day and also the movie theater when I was a, like a teenager, yeah. you just get that drilled into your brain for eight hours a day, you know, thirty, forty hours a week, whatever you're working. Yeah. And you're just so over it. Like that's yeah. the last thing you want to hear. When you get it's, home. Yeah, it's just, yeah. So this year we've been playing quite a bit of Christmas music. We made a giant rock and roll Christmas playlist. You you were mostly responsible for making I've been one. having fun just trying to find like funky B-side or like weird 1950s, like Santa got stuck in the chimney, like these weird songs <laughs> that like you've never heard of and um, or just like songs by people you do know. Or classic Christmas songs by someone that you didn't think, like Winter Wonderland by um, Willie Nelson or something that you're like, oh, that's not in my normal rotation. So I've had fun with that. Yeah, and then there's some people um, who write Christmas songs. Yeah, original Christmas yeah, music. And, and that's not something that I feel like I would be very good at. I don't know I why. Maybe I'm just not sentimental in that way. I think as a songwriter. Yeah, because like, uh, shout out to Sabretooth Unicorn, our friends, they record a whole original Christmas record. And, um, Do you know how many songs that they I think it has like 10, 10 on it. And it, it has one real standout song. Um, and I really liked it. Uh, it's called Hey Mommy, Where's Santa by Sabretooth Unicorn. It's a good one. And um, I really like the way that they encapsulate like this whole feeling of like missing your dad and like you know wishing you were a whole family again and using like the christmas magic and like and the hopes and dreams that come along with christmas as like a focal point of trying to bring your father back home to your picture like i i really like that part that encapsulates a lot yeah. yeah it's like a lot in in such a little thing and he like at first, I was like, "This is so in, like interesting because it, they pitch shifted his voice. It sounds like it's up an octave. It sounds like a child. So yeah, it hey, makes it mommy. sound like a kid. Yeah, but you can tell it's clearly Vince if you listen to it. <laughs> but um, we're still trying to figure out who Santa Claus is. We think it's Baron, but we're not sure. <laughs> in the oh van. yeah, it was. Ter- there's a music video we watched last weekend, and it was it yeah was tricky. I actually loved that music video. I was pretty gone during that special, but I remember really liking that. Music. It was a lot of fun. We just participated in the Concord Cow concerts hella happy holiday special yeah it's been yeah Lots of alliteration since the beginning of uh quarantine tom our tom and a handful of uh conquered musicians have been putting on these virtual concerts um almost like bi-weekly i feel like 
and we've been we were in the first one and then this is the last one of the year that we participated in and so we learned three christmas songs this year which have we ever learned christmas songs no i mean i have you have, when i'm playing yeah. solo sets but even then i'm a little hesitant to do it yeah so as a band we learned three this year uh to do a little set um and that was really exciting. We did Run well, Rudolph Run. Yeah, the first time I ever had to learn, you know, a legitimate Christmas song in in like a rock and roll, you know, uh, environment mm-hmm. was back when I was in college and I got I had this random record label reach out to me and they said they'd pay me $1000 to record an original song, a cover song, and a Christmas song. A Christmas cover song, yeah. Yeah. The Christmas cover. So it could be original too. Oh, nice. They but they I was like, I'll just do a cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the same reasons I stated earlier. And um I used the UCSB recording studio that they have there, which turns out no one ever used that thing, which was oh, pretty yeah. crazy. I, remember you saying that. Like, I would like go in there and it was like a real deal studio that was pretty sweet and like no one was ever in there. Had access to it and they just yeah. took advantage of it, yeah. So I ended up recording um that uh santa bring my baby back to me by mm-hmm. elvis and the original is just so like um goofy it's like yeah. and it's like just a really goofy melody and like but it's a good song like it's again it's about using you know the magic and hope of christmas to like bring home to love bring home a lo- Ugh, i can't talk now bring home a loved one yeah so i kind of like tried to make a sadder version like a slower sadder version of it you did and, yeah well, and i really liked the way it turned out i liked the composition where it was like kind of groovy and uh had some like nice little blues guitar licks in it and we ended up throughout yeah and we yeah. ended up covering it or covering that i guess technically well, it was so easy yeah. to learn because you'd already written yeah i mean for me i'm being selfish but i you taught me that really simple piano part and then all the harmonies were already written so i was just yeah. able to listen to yours yeah and it was uh i guess it's not quite a cover because it was still us but it, it was fun to actually realize that song in like with a full band because i had just done a bunch of overdubs in the studio and it had never been played before like that and it was really cool to see it all come together yeah when you just record a song and you never play it live yeah never not even once that's interesting we we have a couple of those fourth leg or something like that but yeah yeah so that was that was a really that was like a natural choice for the set i think run rudolph it was like this is the most rock and roll kind of fun christmas song we could think of off the top of our heads and we could do that so that was sort of a given and then um the third one we did was um i first heard the song much much controversy but eventually we got (laughs) (laughs) eventually we got so much drama eventually we got to it got it yeah it's just a four 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 chord song through the whole thing um is ice cream yeah and it's uh i I first heard the growlers do it and i think i put it on our i made this original the radio keys presents rock and roll christmas i think i started making that last year in 2019 and then i significantly added to it this year and like kind of expanded on the genres and did some like reggae and shit like that uh christmas songs in addition to just rock and roll um and so yeah the growlers lonely this christmas um i think i heard it the first time last year and this year that was our choice because 2020 is going to be a, a, a slim, Christmas. not slim, uh, you know, less people <laughs> type of holiday, yeah. type of holiday, which well, is, which is fine. It's good. You spent the, I mean, we sound like the biggest children ever here, but we've <laughs> spent the last, I can't even count how many Christmases, maybe all of them at our parents' house. Yeah. Well, we've, we've always year. lived locally. 
Um, well, I haven't lived. Well, not locally, super locally, yeah. but within driving distance or flying distance, like. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so we've been able to spend it with our family, which has been a blessing. So this year, this you know, we're in the same they, town, but they, we, we'll be they uh, put up the uh, they pulled up the drawbridge on us, and they're like, "You're not getting in here." I don't. <laughs> You're not getting in here. I don't think it was their decision. I think there's a greater thing at play here. Yeah. Um, but it's okay. We have this. You know, we're kind of in this great roommate situation uh, where we've created this little family as roommates. Um, so we're going to have a, a prime rib on Christmas Eve and do a secret Santa exchange and make the best of it and sort of blast a bunch of Christmas records. We yeah. have a reggae Christmas vinyl that that's, we're that's obsessed with. Yeah, it's just classic Christmas songs like We Wish You a Merry Christmas and Little Drummer Boy, but like the reggae versions. And I think it's from the 70s. So it's... It's just by a bunch of Classic no-name reggae. Like, reggae artists or a bunch um, of... It's a compilation record, yeah. Okay. And like I can't, like the actual vinyl, like the record itself, I can't find on Spotify or something. It's a super weird compilation. Um, but some of those individual artists I can find. So we'll listen to that. We'll listen to, we have, you gave me Elvis Christmas vinyl a couple, year, a couple one, years yeah. ago. You just bought Nat King Cole. Yeah. Which is our, you know, pulls at our heartstrings. And I think most people is like... Well, that's favorite what we Christmas grew up stuff, with yeah. is Nat King Cole's Christmas. It was like the main thing I remember about waking up on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. But uh, through your list and a bunch of other, you know, exploring, because like you said, we've been so deep into Christmas music <laughs> this year. We're leaning in. We feel like we found a lot of like really cool uh, alternate Christmas tracks. That I, I'm, I'm shocked like... There's a Tom Petty Christmas song that I'd never heard of and like a Paul Simon Christmas song I never heard of and like an Aretha Franklin original Christmas song I never heard of. Like all this stuff that I'm like, how have I never heard this before? And it's it's because it's not their most popular songs because they're so seasonal, I guess. But yeah. they're also not in the, you know, Mariah Carey rotation that we hear every year. Like, And mm-hmm. they're so like you can just dig a little deeper, which is our favorite thing. It's the whole point of this podcast. Well, it was. Now we've just now we've completely just all over the place. <laughs> completely digressed. <laughs> Um, so in this podcast today, um, we've been meaning to do a Christmas special podcast for like years, but it just never, we never got to it in time. Um, what's the day? The 22nd ish? The 22nd. Yeah. So we're finally doing it. Um, so I've got about a hundred songs on that playlist. We are not going to painfully go through every one of those. That would be, that'd that'd be be rough. Um, (laughs) but I'm going to start by sort of highlighting a couple, sort of the origin stories of a couple classic Christmas songs, as well as some versions we have on our playlist. And then just shootouts. uh, Like I have a list of like fun Christmas facts that I pulled together today. And then Stu's going to tell us an origin story of his favorite Christmas song. Yeah. And I think a lot of people's favorite Christmas songs. Oh, it's a, it's, and I just heard it for the first time this year. I, I, this is one of those ones where I know you've heard it before, but it's like, it's like what mom was talking about when we were hanging out at her house the other day. She was like, I feel like I'd never heard that song. And then I heard it one time. And then I heard Started it, hearing everywhere. it everywhere. Or yeah. you like read a word for the first time and you're like, oh, I've never seen that car. word. And then you see it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with this song. It, it's, it's a phenomenon. Of, yeah. It's ubiquitous with Christmas. And it, it's it's an amazing song and we'll we'll get to it. Yeah. I mean, and a then, little bit of a deep dive on it. We'll do a deep dive. And then the very end, I think we'll talk about our favorite oddball Christmas songs. Just go through a quick list. Um, so I'm going to start with a really controversial one. Oh shit. The most, arguably the most controversial one. Um, we didn't, we were like really not sure how to do a Christmas special for this podcast because of our usual themes. We could do like a throwback or like 
Anyway, um, I was on, embarrassed to say I was on Instagram earlier this morning when I couldn't sleep and I was just kind of scanning through stuff and I saw this uh, video of a couple in like the, it looked like the 50s-ish, turns out it was 1949, um, performing Baby It's Cold Outside in a movie and I was like, I was like, oh, I didn't know this song was in a movie. They're just like in a living room and they're like performing it. It's like a musical thing. I had I no like, idea that it was from a movie either. Yeah, I was like, I, I've never seen this before. Um, and then I read the caption. It was like, it was originally blah, blah, blah. So I did a kind of a deep dive into the origins of that song, which we on our playlist for our kind of B-sides and obscure oddball Christmas songs, we have Nathaniel Rateliff's version. Yeah, and it's of, of course... Baby, it's uh, cold outside. <laughs> the reverse gender version of it, which... Like you were I will saying, tell yeah. you, yeah. it started off both ways. Um, so let's see. So this is for, I got all this info from New York Times. Um, so composer Frank Loesser, known for Guys and Dolls and other Broadway hits, uh, wrote this song in 1944 for himself and his wife Lynn to perform for friends in their living room when it was time for the party to be over and everybody to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? It's kind of like closing time for 1944. Um, and How they're just, awkward would that be? in their living room. They're like, strike up the piano. They're like, I, I really can't can stay. And everyone's like, what's happening? Um, so apparently in the, according to Lynn's memoir in the 1940s, um, when Hollywood celebrities are having a party, it's like common, you know, it's the 40s. So there's not a lot else to do besides drink and hang out so they would all sing for each other like perform yeah. around the, i mean that that was like a big it's really cool i think that was a big thing of the era it's like obviously there's radio and there's right. a piano there and maybe a guitar there and people would just sing like they yeah. would just sit around and sing and and actually play parlor games and you have to do anything you can to entertain and yourself. They, they'd memorize this stuff because they can't just pull it up so yeah. a, a lot of people just had this sort of uh encyclopedia of songs in their brain yeah um there were also so, a lot less songs back then and it's also sort of it <laughs> like, sounded like when i was reading about it, it sounded like a competition thing where they're all like well we're gonna do this song that we wrote and like they're trying <laughs> to like they're trying to like up each other and if so you think just about like now is what <laughs> <you're saying. laughs> exactly like now uh and so it, it if you think about baby it's cold outside it's not really written as a christmas song right it was just written as it being cold <laughs> that's it and it's time to go and uh, <laughs> no it's not time to well, go well that's why i think it was funny that they like play it when they want their guests to leave they're like this is the end of the party but they call it they're like we we would headline the party and i'm like oh okay um so lynn wrote later in her um her memoir about the first performance we became instant parlor room stars we got invited to all the best parties for years on the basis of baby it's cold outside it was our ticket to caviar and truffles parties will, were built around our being the closing act wow i know they were a big hit um, just like radio keys they're just, <laughs> it's the same that's <laughs> identical um so in 1948 so four years after he writes this song um he sold it to mgm for them to use in the 1949 romantic comedy neptune's daughter 59 percent Rotten Tomatoes audience score. 100% Rotten Tomatoes, what's the other score called? Like their Critics, score? The, Critics the score? The tomato meter? Yeah, so that's 100. Yeah. I, it sounds, I read the the uh, so plot of this. It sounds, it sounds pretty rough. So it sounds like people in today's era and environment are very unimpressed by it because that's who's, that, I mean, it's, 
modern users on Rotten Tomatoes, and then those right. critics can be anywhere from you know classic critics to modern critics, and critics so obviously like things that the normal audience doesn't like. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but we can't the plot the sounds ridiculous. There's it's a like lot a, of J names. There's like Joe, Johnny, and jo- uh, and then <laughs> there's a woman and her sister, and she's like, there's like a love triangle, and there's like a there's, twin. There's a lot of mistaken identities, which yeah. is like very much like a Shakespeare thing. Like, oh, and so and so was disguised as this guy, but then they fell it's in like love, they had, and it's then it's not it like they like, had Tinder and Instagram back in the day. <laughs> they're, they're like, like let me let me verify this, this profile. <laughs> So, okay, so Neptune's daughter. Um, so, by the way, Frank sold it, and his wife, Lynn, was pissed, and they would soon divorce after that. But I wow. think, I mean, I don't think that was the reason. I just think that that was a, a part of it. Um, just another nail. <laughs> uh, so, in Neptune's daughter, um, it's performed twice. I saw both these videos today. The first version is him going baby it's cold outside and the woman is saying i really can't stay all that stuff and then the second time in the same movie it's performed the gender roles are reversed and it's a different couple so it's a guy that's not as into the girl and she's going (laughs) baby it's cold outside and he's so that that like like i feel like can't you see lynn just watching (laughs) that movie like motherfuckers that's not how it's done (laughs) um but i thought that was interesting because i thought that like the whole gender switch of the lyrics was like pretty recent like nathaniel ratliff swapped them and like m ward and uh zoe deschanel i thought it was a recent i'm like oh that's like a new recent thing to make it less creepy but the first time people saw it, it was it was shown both ways. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and so Neptune's Daughter, that song won an Academy Award for Best Song in 1950. Um, and yeah, it's a controversial song. Um, it's been fought over quite a bit. Um, the daughter of the songwriter, uh, she's in her 70s now. She wrote like, she wrote something about it. One of the articles I was reading and she said, you know, the the line about like, what's in this drink she said back in the 40s that was just like a a joke if you got a little too drunk you'd say oh what's how strong is this drink like what's in this drink because there weren't well it didn't have the same connotation yeah there there weren't the same type of drugs we have now so i think it was a little more playful and now we hear that and we go "Ooh, that's tough and it is it's totally it's totally a horrible line but she's like i wish that you know in the context of the times it was very that's exactly just not as heavy that is like time canceling people like oh and and certain movies like john wayne they're like oh john wayne said this thing or that thing about you know whatever controversial topic that that's more controversial now than it was at the time and people want to hold history to today's rigorous standards and it's like it's impossible to do so I've never been a fan of time canceling, but um, I had a fun quote about it. It's um, an unnamed source, but it's still a fun quote, and I read it to you before, so I hope you like it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a viral Tumblr post by a former English teacher suggesting that the woman is excusing her uncharacteristically bold behavior Oh God, I can't read today. Behavior, okay. either to the guy or to herself, by blaming it on the drink. It's not a joke about how she's drunk and about to be raped, the blog's author wrote. It's a joke about how she's perfectly sober and about to have awesome consensual sex <laughs> and use the drink for plausible deniability because she's living in a society where women aren't supposed to have sexual agency. And that's a, that's a totally a thing. Sexual agency, the, the term agency, if you don't know, is like, having the ability to to make your own decisions mm-hmm. to 
I, essentially that's what agency is so right. and that's very true that's a really good point about this song like oh what's on this drink especially when you're talking about the humor involved in the 40s yeah so when well, it wasn't about getting drugged it was like yeah i'm acting silly yeah it must be this must be a strong drink that was basically yeah. the joke um and also I, the the overall context of the song it's although i have to admit like the guy is definitely overbearing no it's song. it's a lot yeah and it's, you can tell yeah. there's consensual flirting in the lyricism it's not like oh fucking get me out of why are there so many locks on the door like yeah. you know <laughs> it's like <laughs> no it's, it's there's it's, like there's it's originally th- that generation's form of of flirtation and i i read something too um i there was yeah there was one uh professor uh, at the University of Massachusetts, um, professor of American studies, Judith Smith. She said that the song was written as World War II was upending societal norms. More women were entering the workforce and military deployments were interrupting traditional courtships. Women were starting to exercise more sexual freedom. Um, The song has also been defended uh, saying that it tells the story of a woman who wants to spend the night. They note that her stated reasons for leaving are not her own decision. She talks about a worried mother, talkative neighbors, and a vicious aunt. So and her it, brother too. Her yeah, brother and like, like my yeah. father will start. You know, it's all about, and it's just what you said about the sexual agency. It's like women weren't really allowed to make that decision. Like my dad's not going to let me. Like yeah, yeah. which is interesting because it turns it on its head in today's day and age where it's like she it. should be able to make the decision he's telling he's pressuring her to stay and yeah. pressuring her to make it his decision so like i get both i totally Sorry, I thought get, you were gonna say i totally get both sides I, no i totally get both i sides totally too. get both sides but i also think ugh, i get both sides yeah I, d- I just don't think it should be uh canceled because there's been like a little no. bit of a cry to like cancel it but i think it's kind of a it's in the the zeitgeist of you know holiday music and i just i don't know i lo- I, like I mean it. the nathaniel Rayleigh version I is gorgeous version. i love all of the versions w- with uh the boy in the uh, oh m ward m ward and uh zoe for she no. and him yeah um i think it's so funny because i can <laughs> i can picture myself as a guy like <laughs> under no threat <laughs> you know like well that's no the fun part is there's threat. no threat and they're just like god get me out of here <laughs> like it's just a funny connotation of it yeah and um, also, I I think that that she and him version is just really awesome. Yeah, just a really their great their version. two Christmas records are they're they're awesome out of control. Okay, so that's the first song I was going to talk about. The second one I have is really quick. It's uh we have two Nathaniel Rateliff Christmas songs on this um playlist. The first is maybe he picked like two weird Christmas songs that are traditionally sung by women. So first one is Baby It's Cold Outside. Second one is Santa Baby that he performs. Um, So that was originally uh, performed by Eartha Kitt um, and it's written by Joan Javits and Philip Springer. Um, Music critics gave mixed reviews. Some called it too suggestive and following the release of Santa Baby in 1953 Areas of the southern United States implemented a ban of the song that prevented rotation on radio stations and distribution of the the physical copy of the record. Oh, wow. So it actually got banned. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but because of that, the same year, 1953, because it was so um, uh, bad, it also uh, became the best-selling Christmas song of 1953 because dude, <laughs> people were like, I got to hear this shit. This, dude, this is totally off topic but related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I was listening to a Jeffrey Dahmer podcast today. Got it. And they yeah. talked about in the in the trial, like Jeffrey Dahmer was talking about how he like fashioned himself after the Empire or the sorry, the Emperor from the movie Empire Strikes Back, the Star Jesus Wars. Christ. Like he would get like yellow like contacts to make his eyes look more That's like the guy. Horrifying. And uh when that came out in the news like in the Milwaukee area, there were like it was impossible to find copies of the Star Wars movies and like any any like oh because they're just yeah, more, because morbidly people, fascinated by it. Yeah. They're like, okay, this thing isn't all over the news. I have to look at so it. So it's like kind of the same thing where like this baby is cold outside causes this uproar and people yeah. are like, ooh, what's the uproar all about? And then he's like, well, I really liked Empire Strike Back and I also ate people. And they're like. What's this Empire Strike Back? We gotta look into that. <laughs> yeah, like I wonder if like just... Helter Skelter got more play after fucking Charles Manson yeah, I'm was sure, like. Well, I'm it, sure it, it actually me. did. We t- we talked about it on the on the podcast. It was like kind of just a random Beatles song, and then yeah. after that one, uh, that one after that one thing happened, um, <laughs> <laughs> Paul McCartney was talking about how he couldn't go a concert without playing it. Like people, because people were just yeah. like, yeah, it just became such a part of history. People love that stuff. The, these songs people are the same way. I feel like they're so like. To this day, like Baby It's Cold Outside is extremely I sang it in choir with um Brandon, tall Brandon, I can't remember his but we definitely sang it and this was in like two thousand and eight and it wasn't You're talking about baby it's cold outside. Yeah, we sang yeah. we sang that we sang that. And as a pretty intelligent eighteen year old, I didn't think twice about the lyrics. I don't know what that says about me. Well, we we shoehorned our Charles Manson uh, <laughs> reference into this podcast, so there you go. We got it in there, there Alex. That's, well, that was for you. Um, okay, so Santa Baby. Um, so because of the controversy, it becomes the best selling Christmas song of nineteen fifty three. Um, Madonna. Many people have covered it. Taylor Swift, others. Uh, Madonna covered it, and. She sold 270,000 copies in the U.S. Um, and kind of brought it back to the popularity from the that it had back in the day. Um, and Eartha Kitt was quoted as saying, I used to have a lot of fun with this song. And then Madonna sang it. So that's just some fun shade I wanted to include. <laughs> she was like, God damn it, Madonna ruined it. Which I haven't like, heard Madonna's dude, version. It's just but. like Lynn watching <laughs> Neptune's daughter or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, uh, <laughs> she's like, fuck, what, this, what the fuck is this shit? They ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now I just have some uh, quick Christmas facts. Um, fun stuff, fun stuff. The first one is sort of the longest one. I was going to do a more of a deep dive on this song, but it just couldn't, you know. Uh, so the Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting yeah, yeah. up in fire. Um, so that was written... Uh, in a sweltering hot July afternoon in 1945 by Mel Torme and his lyric partner, Bob Wells. Bob Wells had written four lines of a poem that he was starting. It was chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping the first four lines. Um, and Torm saw it and said, what's this? And Wells said, it's so damn hot today. I thought I'd write about something to cool myself off. All I could think of was Christmas and cold weather. Um, chestnuts roasting on an open fire was a memory from Wells's childhood in Boston where there'd be vendors on street corners at Christmas time serving up paper cones full of ro- roasted chestnuts which I thought was interesting because well, I know that tradition's dead I never really yeah <laughs> never well, that, s- that line opens the song <laughs> and I'm just like that. who does that yeah if, if you uh, do that let <laughs> us know <laughs> So they finished after those first four lines, they finished the song in 45 minutes. Um, they eventually pitched it to Nat King Cole, who fell in love with it. Um, Nat King Cole did the original vocal performance? I don't know song? if he did the original. There's a couple versions. Nat King Cole recorded it four different times. Oh, wow. And the first time he recorded it, um, the first pressing, 
1946 version, he sang the last line of the bridge to see if reindeers really know how to fly. Uh, and this is a quote by Torme. Nat, a true gentleman and a perfectionist, stewed over this mistake. Sure enough, at the end of another recording session with the same size orchestra at hand, he re-recorded our song, Properly Singing Reindeer, because as we know from Run Run Rudolph, it's not reindeer the only, it's not the only like, reindeers. Yeah, it's, it's, I it's love, plural. Dude, that's my favorite part of the Chuck Berry Run Rudolph <laughs> run. I love all the reindeers. Did you, you, know, did you, you say know. reindeers in, in the I'm set? I'm 90% sure I said reindeer, but <laughs> I was in a cloud, so no, I don't I, know. I love that. That's my favorite part about it. Reindeers. <laughs> so so the so the, there's four versions of Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song. The first one from, what, 46, um, has him saying reindeers plural and that version um have become collectors items on vinyl all right so you want to hear some more fun christmas song facts i would love to okay rocking around the christmas tree was recorded by brenda lee when she was 13 years old rocking around oh my god she's 13 yeah wow Speaking, what is, what is speaking with this obsession? Of young, speaking yeah. of young singers. They always did that back in the day, like I 13, want, 14 I old. want a hippopotamus for Christmas. It's written by John Rocks, performed by 10-year-old Gayla Peavy in 1953. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the obsession with the I mean, I guess we have like Selena voices. Gomez and Justin Bieber. I, I guess that's similar. Yeah, I, guess, I mean... <laughs> I mean, Brenda Lee had a crazy, insane voice at 13, so good for her. And she she, she was already recording at age 12. She already had, like, mm. two hits, so that Wait, wasn't but she said crazy. she was 10 when she recorded that? No, that's a different person. Oh, okay, Gayla Peavy did a one hippopotamus for okay. Christmas at age 10, which I thought it was, like, a person doing, like, a their voice shifted, weird like voice Vince like Vince did, but it's a 10-year-old. Um, Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight, which is on our playlist by the Ramones. That's a great one. Was originally a super slow version. There's a, you can find it online. We have the fast, like, punk version. Yeah. But there's a super slow version. It's written by Joey Ramone. And it sounds super like Shirelles or like Ron Etsy. Um, and he sings, uh, the lyrics are changed now, but he sings, I love you from the start because Christmas ain't the time for breaking each other's hearts. Maybe that's the lyrics now. But anyways, did you know that Joey Ramone was dating this chick named Linda Ramone, and then she left Joey Ramone for Johnny Ramone, and then Johnny Ramone and Linda Ramone got married. So Joey Ramone wrote Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight right around the time that all that shit was going down. <laughs> it's basically like if Tom left me for you and we were all in the same band. Well, I mean, Why Linda was in the like band. That? I don't know. I'm trying to think about no, it'd be like but they're brothers, if Amber right? left me for my brother. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's more like it. That's more like it. But if you and Alex were in both in radio keys. Yeah. Sorry, Alex, for that strange uh metaphor. But anyway, I I didn't know about that dynamic at all. So that's a sad little fact. So okay. were, were they friends after that? Um, I think that was sort of the beginning of the end of the Ramones. Oh wow. Um so Puerto Rican singer Jose Feliciano recorded Feliz Navidad in nineteen seventy. That's a great one. Uh, I remember that being in like a, a Sesame Street Christmas special when we were kids, and that's when I first heard it and just being oh, like, Oh, it's a fucking this is banger. My favorite. It is a banger. <laughs> it is a banger. So it was originally going to record be recorded completely in Spanish, and last minute they decided to add the I, I want to wish you a merry because he wanted it to get oh, played on part. American that's a radio. Great part of the song, yeah, but it was, it was originally all in Spanish. So that's a fun fact I didn't know. Um, Bing Crosby's version of White Christmas is the highest selling single of all time with over 50 million copies. Writer Irving Berlin foresaw its success when he wrote it and told his secretary, I just wrote the best song that anyone's ever written. 
Now we have a fun Beatles trivia. Dude, White Christmas almost got canceled for a minute there when everyone was ranting and raving and people were still learning what to cancel and what not to cancel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so John Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono, penned the lyrics for Happy Christmas War is Over as part of their that's funny. That's one of your favorite ones. Fe- eh. oh, the more I learn about you John Lennon, the more I'm like, oh God. Uh, Lennon was heavily influenced by a song the melody of another song. This blew my fucking mind. And if you can pull it up, you should. There's a song by Peter, Paul and Mary called stew ball. S T E W B A L L. Um, which is about a racehorse and it apparently inspired John Lennon's. And so this is Christmas and it is stew ball is, uh, another one of those kind of, uh, classic, topics of like old really songs. i'd yeah. never heard of it but this um there's a uh lead belly did a song about stew ball it sounds it's like, like a this. legendary yeah oh wait oh, come on lead belly yeah oh that's cool it's, it's about that. betting on stew ball yeah um, so what is this peter paul, peter and, Mary? paul and mary's version has the i'm sorry john lennon the exact same melody as War is over. All right, I'm bringing and it up. So this is Christmas. Oh, there's a chord progression there. I'd fast forward it a little Dude, bit. Peter, Peter, Paul, <laughs> Dude, it's literally the same song. It's the same F, song. F. Na, 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 na. At least the chord progression. All right, here we go. It's the same fucking song. Okay, that's it's tough. the same song. Uh, it's yeah, the same song. I, that blew my mind. I was oh like, my "Oh gosh. my god!" So everybody listened to "Stew Ball" by Peter Paul and Mary, which "quote unquote" inspired John Lennon's "War Is Over." Happy Christmas. And so, th- I mean, and the the ambiance is different. Like that one's a little bit more folk acoustic. Totally. And um, Lennon's is a little bit more. I mean, it's pretty acoustic, and it's just got edge. that big choir at the end. Ah, the kids, yeah, the children singing. My favorite thing in the world. What's your favorite? Um. Oh, um, this is a quick one. Robert L. May wrote Rudolph for the Red Ro- the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, originally calling the reindeer either Reginald or Romeo, Reginald. but then he landed What on happened Rudolph. to Randolph the reindeer in freaking Chuck Dude, Berry's? I don't know where Chuck Berry got that. <laughs> or I, if he's the, I don't think he's the songwriter, but um, when Winter Wonderland was written in the 1930s, some people were offended by the bit about Parson Brown marrying people on a whim. The line was eventually replaced with, in the meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he's a circus clown. That's now stupid. we have the Parson Brown Oh, that's stupid. Part. But anyway, people were like, they're getting married willy-nilly. Fun fact, next fun fact. Australians have their own version of the 12 days of Christmas where all the animals are replaced by wildlife from Australia. <laughs> I know I haven't heard it, but that sounds amazing. I want to replace all the... <laughs> I want to replace all the animals anyway. Uh, like, all the fucking half birds. The animals, I'm like, what birds. are these? And I'm a bird. I'm a bird guy. And we I don't know that. these. We watched that Office special where um, Andy's giving Aaron the Twelve Days of Christmas, yeah. and she's like, "It's too many birds." Um, yeah, she's all traumatized. She's all scratched <laughs> she's up. Scratch. And then the drummers come out, and then it's like cool. Um, in the song "Up on the Housetop," which is the first song that literally mentions Santa. I have up on up the housetop here. Up on the rooftop, here. click, click, click. You're right. It might be rooftop. Santa it might brings have originally been up on the housetop. So I don't know what. And I looked up the lyrics today. Santa brings one of the kids a hammer. Another child gets a whip. So that's just a fun. Uh, 
What? Some fun, like, who wrote this song? It, um, it's just a sadomasochism, <laughs> like, family. It's like the uh, Leatherface family I've got Christmas. Four more uh, Christmas fun facts. They're quick. Candy cane children. That's our White Stripes. That's their White Stripes original Christmas song. It's on our playlist. Um, it's pretty that funky. Sounds creepy. It's definitely weird. Yeah. Um, the title. I didn't know this as a diehard White Stripes fan. The title is a reference to diehard fans of the White Stripes who are called Candy Cane Children. Oh, so you're a candy cane child. I guess. And so am I. Their first CD, their self-titled record is like a those mints, the yeah. candy cane mints. Anyway, um, Elvis recorded White Christmas in 1957. The composer of White Christmas, Irving Berlin, hated Elvis's version so much that he tried to get it banned from the radio. Can you imagine but going on that crusade? But people loved Elvis. They Can were like, dude, what's your crusade? problem? What are you doing, dude? Um, He's the- that drunk guy at the bar who's <laughs> He's like... He's like, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> Turn that off. Turn that off. All right. Um, this is a super recent uh, Christmas song by um, Miss Julia Jacqueline, who's this Australian songwriter who's amazing. Um, she's my age. She wrote a song called Baby Jesus is Nobody's Baby Now. It's gorgeous. It's on our playlist. She wrote it in December 2019 after having a really tough year in 2019 and was quoted as saying recently, I wrote this in my room looking forward to 2020, hoping it would be some kind of reset. LOL. <laughs> um, so that song's on our playlist. Uh, and then the last fact, it's not really a fun fact, but it's just kind of a, a fact. Uh, James Brown produced a handful of Christmas albums, including some incredible songs. Um, a Soulful Christmas is one of the records. Funky Christmas is one of the records. Um, he recorded tons of Christmas songs. There's maybe 30. Uh, and he kind of changed them. Like wow. s- he did Santa's Got a Brand New Bag. Santa's Got a Brand New Bag. Dude, I thought that was a... Uh, there was a... Uh, God dang it, what's his name? Here, go ahead. I'm going to remember Sorry, this. I was going to say uh, James Brown passed away on Christmas Day in 2006. Oh, Bob Seger does like a version where he, he uses that. Oh, does he? Yeah. There's definitely Bob Seger on our playlist. Yeah, Bob Seger. And I, I think it's, it's Santa it has a brand new bag. it was Rock and Roll Christmas, but... Oh, it could be. I don't know. If it, but he's, he, it has that, like, that verse in it, or that, that line in it, rather, where he's like... Oh, fun. So he just kind of does Santa a has a brand new bag, and it goes... But then it does a, you know, oh, Bob Seger. Fun. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, So I'll save my favorite oddballs for the end. Um, But why don't... We can take a break, or you can tell me about... Yeah, let's take a brief little break, break. and then um, we will go ahead and talk about this song that I was talking about now. Happy holidays, everyone. Emily from Radio Keys here, just letting you know that we recorded three Christmas songs this year. Run, Rudolph, Run, Santa Bring My Baby Back to Me, and Lonely This Christmas, along with some local friends of ours that helped us out on the background vocals and multiple instruments. And those three recordings are available on our band camp. You can stream them for free or download them for like a dollar. And that'll uh, that'll help little Radio Keys get through the Christmas season. So we appreciate that. Check out our Christmas songs on Bandcamp now. This one, uh, again, you said that it was the first time you heard it this year. I know you've heard it before. It's my first, yeah. It's definitely seems new to me but it's a classic and yeah i love it it's a great song um i i heard it a few years ago i think i mean i've been trying to avoid christmas songs for a while now but like you said we're really leaning in now but for a while this is one of those songs that is a little controversial so i'm not sure it's going to be played at macy's (laughs) you know like when you're out shopping back in the day when it's also a funky recording too it kind of sounds live and like it's just not you know 
Well, like a lot of these songs, it's not Mariah Carey and it's not no. getting as much airplay and that's yeah. too bad. So, of course, what we're talking about is Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues. <laughs> and this this song, I think, really, truly captures like this incredible Christmas spirit in so many different ways. Um, so it, it's about what I assume to be like an Irish immigrant. The lyrics are about mm-hmm, yeah. this Irish immigrant who's spending Christmas Eve uh, in the drunk tank because he's, you know. And he's <laughs> Irish, but he's in New York? He Yes. Okay. I think he's Irish. I mean, it's an Irish band. The band is Irish. So, yeah, they're, so, they're talking about being transplants in New York on so, a holiday. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to sleep off this drinking binge in the drunk tank. No big deal. You just get a drunk and disorderly, and they send you on your way when you're sober. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those things. And um, he's also there with this old guy who starts singing, like, these Irish songs, and it makes him start, like, dreaming about Christmas's past and about his like former mm-hmm. lover who he was with. And then I think the most beautiful thing about this song, and it's also really sad, yeah. is it talks about like the big dreams you have as a young person. And I think in his case as like an immigrant, you know, yeah. moving to the big city. And we all have these big dreams. But the fact is they don't always come true. And sometimes you end up as that guy in a drunk tank and mm-hmm. you're like talking about these dreams. So um, it's a little bit disputed whether I think th- what I like to envision is uh, this song is him being all washed up, drunk and old in the drunk tank. And oh, then, so he's supposed to be older. Yeah. And then he imagines his past okay. with this young, beautiful woman who's a Broadway, mm. a fledgling Broadway star. And then this song follows their story when they like had dreams and hopes. And mm-hmm. then he's constantly awakened by the NYPD choir <laughs> because like he's in the drunk tank. So the That's second brilliant. part of the yeah. verse is like more of a, nothing's going the way we want it to. You're an alcoholic, you're a heroin addict. Mm. And now they're getting real vicious with each other. And, um, that's where the controversy lies, and we'll get to that by around the end of what I have here. But um, it seems like it's kind of, uh, you know, the the direction of their life, starting off with these big hopes and dreams, yeah. and then descending into drug and alcoholism, Aww. and uh, and then that, and then I guess that's that's really it. But just it able to ends. able to reflect on all that's really. Yeah, really and it's brilliant. about yeah. it's about the beauty of like dreams, and also and about and, and it's not just yeah. about that because usually Optimism. there's always a happy ending. But I don't think there's really a happy ending in this song, um, at least from what I what I hear. But it it's still just an incredible song, and the, the fact that they can like encapsulate encapsulate like everything I just said in two verses and an introduction, and then the chorus. I think it's just. They cover a lot of ground in like very incredible song. Short amount of time, yeah. Just moving uh, like orchestral parts too in the song. It's just a great song. So, "Fairy Tale of New York" was first written in 1985. I was going to ask you what year. Okay, that's later than I thought. Yeah, pretty late. And the Pogues are one of the first like Irish punk bands that I can think of. I'm not super well versed in the genre, but I think they're they're trendsetters in that. Um. And the way that this song was written is a little bit disputed. Um, Shane McGowan, the lead singer and and co-writer of the song, was saying that um, 
their old producer, Elvis Costello, who Whoa. you might have heard okay. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was telling them that it would be impossible for them to write it. It was almost like a challenge. Like, you guys would never be able to write a Christmas song, like that whole thing. And he was They're like, like, hold my beer. Uh, yeah. yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> only, only the good version of hold my beer, whatever yeah. that might be. Um, and so that's when he said they were like, let's go for it. But the old manager said that he suggested that it would be good if they wrote it. So it's just, I feel like that might just be the old manager. You know how managers are always trying to make themselves sound way, way cooler than yeah. they are in like the history of music. I read a lot when I was looking up Christmas song facts today, I read a lot of like, you know, this person wrote the song in the studio and then this is in like the fifties. And then later on they see the vinyl pressing and they don't get credit and the, you know, yeah. higher ups get credit for the writing. And, the song, and you're like, damn, this shit was just rampant. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And now it's even worse now, maybe. I mean, it's not as, as corrupt where people are getting screwed out of fortunes, but it is corrupt in the sense where like you'll have, um, insert any popular artist, and then you'll look at the song credits and there's like 15, 20 people on there. And you're like, really? And it's just yeah. everyone trying to, they know it's going to be a massive hit and everyone's trying to get a piece of those royalties. Wow. You know? So yeah. the banjo player um, came up with the original uh, melody and also the original concept. And he said he had two different songs. One was about um, an, Irish, an Irish sailor in New York and uh, he was looking at over the ocean and reminiscing about Ireland. And his wife actually told him that it was <laughs> the lyrics were horrible <laughs> and oh, he needed no. to rewrite it. So she checked him. And uh, he also had this song about, you know, Christmas Eve. And I'm not sure if he wrote, I guess he probably wrote um, also these lyrics about. Christmas Eve in the Drunk Tank and all that. I know Shane McGowan, the lead singer, wrote a bunch too, and they don't really talk about who wrote what. Hmm. But he says, uh, Finer, Jim Finer, the banjo player, says, I had written two songs, complete with iTunes, or sorry, iTunes, with tunes. One had a good tune and crap lyrics. The other had the idea of fairy tale, but the tune was poxy. And I don't know what that word means. Poxy sounds like <laughs> slang, yeah. I gave them both to Shane and he gave it a Broadway melody and that, and there there it was. And that was N, he told that to NME, which is New Musical Express, which is a website. Hmm. So Shane McGowan says, I sat down, I opened up the sherry, got the peanuts out and pretended like it was Christmas. It's even called... <laughs> <laughs> sherry and peanuts is his Christmas fucking meal. He's I like, guess that's he's it. like, this is festive. That's sherry Christmas. and peanuts. Okay, oh, I'm not. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a so, different area. <laughs> he says it's even called a fairy tale of New York. It's quite sloppy. More, <laughs> more like a pair of brown eyes than Sally McLennan. and I think those are two uh, Pogue songs. Um, oh, okay. So that's what he's They're referencing, referencing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then yeah. this is an impossible word to pronounce, but there's also a C E I L I D H bit in the middle. And that's like a traditional Irish um, dance and uh, style of music. Dun, da, da, dun, 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 You know that? Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. That kind of style. And that's what he's talking about. So it about. sounds like Christmas I, and Killarney. I literally have no idea how to spell it's this. Christmas Here, try and to... Killarney. Well, the folks out. Um, oh, see, no, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Seal like Silid mm, no. or something nope. like that. There's I little, have no clue. There's a little symbol above the E there. That it's I don't uh, a bit in the middle that you can definitely dance to. It's like a country and irish ballad but what you can do a brisk waltz to especially when you've got about three of these drinks inside of you 
But the song itself is quite depressing in the end. It's about these old Irish American Broadway stars who are sitting around at Christmas talking about whether things are going to be okay. Aww. And uh, I thought it was interesting to listen to their the way that they wrote this song because we've written songs very similarly, not with the sherry and peanuts, but with like where we're like. <laughs> We're like, we like the feel of this song right. and we like the lyrics of this one. And you kind of Frankenstein two yeah. songs together to get a, the, the best of both worlds. Yeah. And that's kind of what they did with this one. Apparently. And you take like a, a verse you, ri- you wrote for something else or like a bridge mm-hmm. uh, that was a chorus in another song that never went anywhere and you make that a bridge. Yeah, absolutely. It's like Paul McCartney singing ham and eggs instead of ham yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Ham and eggs. Sometimes uh, you got to... It's so tough to retool lyrics too once you... Once they're set in your brain, it's really hard to sit there and go. There's a song we wrote recently that I'm like, oh, I want to change the chorus. And I'm, I I can't, my brain refuses to like fill in the blanks because it's just stuck on those old words. Yeah. And uh, McGowan decided to name the song after J.P. Dunleavy's 1973 novel, A Fairy Tale of New York. And I guess Finer was reading that, the banjo player, Jem Finer. Hmm. And he, uh, he was reading it at the time of the recording and he left the book lying around the studio. So they thought it was a perfect Yeah. And it was fitting to the theme. Yeah. Elvis Costello wanted to name it Christmas Eve in the drunk tank. And uh, the whole band was like, that is the dumbest idea. (laughs) They're like, we'll we'll never sell this song if we call it Christmas Eve in the drunk tank. No one will take it seriously. Fairy Tale of New York is a lot better. Fairy Tale of New York. So much better. So they also had a little bit of, they, uh, when they first tried to record this, um, fairy tale new york the demo was like march 1987 and they had mcgowan singing both the male and the female and that's uh kind of what i think happened with the bon jovi song that just came out the cover of it and that is isn't it supposed to be like the worst oh people are this song let me just say like this song it's like don't fuck with it kind of thing it's so much so like there are so many people who get so pissed about it like we'll get more into the controversy in a second but like it had like the Bon Jovi. I mean, we can look. I would look it up, but it like apparently it has like way more thumbs down on YouTube than it's, thumbs up. It has people ooh. like tweeting about it. The original producer of the original recording uh, told, like, tweeted out that it was like the worst uh, th- version of the song ever recorded. I pulled up a. Um I pulled up a list today of like the worst Christmas songs of all time, just for fun, and uh, I think this was number three. So let's see. So on YouTube, it has an ad. Um, it has, oh no, this is rough. Yeah. Stats. Fairytale of New York by Bon Jovi has 1.7 thousand uh, thumbs ups on YouTube and 7.2 thousand thumbs down and i'm adding yeah. one right now and it doesn't really change it, it doesn't really change Se- that's that much. seven times as many dislikes yeah, that's <laughs> tough. yeah people don't like it it's tough i, I feel bad for him that's yeah. that's tough <laughs> he just wanted to do a song that he loved and uh he oh, picked the wrong honey. song yeah no that's so the original version of this song um in the mid 80s was shane mcgowan singing both parts and uh, and then they ended up having their bass player, and I forgot to write her name down, which I feel super horrible oh, about. Oh, they have a lady bass player. But yeah, and it, Elvis nice. Costello was dating her at the time. Oh. <clears throat> so they had her sing it, and then uh, they they said that it was 
Elvis Costello called it less than inspiring. <laughs> like, like, uh, not, I think it was like, it was something like that. It was like not yet fully realized. It was like a comment like that where it was like, hmm. her performance was not yet realized. And that's his girlfriend? You know? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so the, and she's like, really? Eventually, the Pogues and their relationship with Elvis, Elvis Costello started to fray over time. Mm. And you could kind of see it with like, him in her in like being like no she should sing this instead of like having maybe a, a more tried and true female vocalist sing it and also his suggestion to call it christmas even the drunk tank and all of their um recordings that they tried of fairytale of new york that just never came together you know it it frayed the relationship and eventually they they broke with him and then they um and I f I'm so dumb, I didn't write his first name, but Lily White, the producer, maybe you could pull that up really quick. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, his last name is Lily uh, White? Lily White, yeah, one word. Um, so the the new version, the one that we know today, was recorded at London's Abbey Road Studios. Steve Lily White. Yeah, Steve Lily White. All right, there we go. In March 1987. Oh, so it was recorded at Abbey Road Studios. Yeah, about 33 years ago. With McGowan singing both the male and the female. However, it was not until the third set of recording sessions in August 1987 in a nearby studio, RAK Studios, it was suggested that Lily White um, take the track back home to a studio and let his wife, Kirsty McCall, sing on it? Yeah, lay down oh, the vocal cool. track. And I'm getting this from Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's okay. So, so she works. So they went home and they worked on these vocals meticulously in his home studio. And Lily White brought the recording back and the Pogues were really impressed with McCall's singing. And she, um, and then they decided that she would be the, the right voice. For That's the version song. we know today. Yeah. yeah. Kirstie McCall. Aw. What a cool way of finding her. Yeah. And she was, she did recording. She, she was like a recording artist. She got into like recording disputes where, um, it's kind of like the. When, it's one of those situations where someone owns the right to like the records that you put out, but mm. then they're like stonewalling you and they're like not letting uh, you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that sort of situation. So then she had to like be a backup vocalist and kind of work in the shadows Make a little bit. Me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so weird her. that that used to be a thing. And I'm sure it still is. It yeah. happened with, um, gosh, what's her name? Uh, Kesha. Just recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's so insane that that's a thing. Didn't um, Taylor Swift lose all her music too? She did, but that was because of her stupid dad manager. Oh. Uh, um, I don't really know the whole yeah. story, but her, uh, well, I know there's drama. I feel like it was her dad her manager. I feel like her old manager. It was something. We'll have to look that up. because It, it sounds like a Beatles situation where it was like, let me sign. And I don't know. Yeah, it's something like that. We won't that. talk about it because I literally know nothing about it and shouldn't have brought it up anyway. <laughs> so McGowan, uh, Shane McGowan, the male singer and uh, songwriter, said, Kirstie knew exactly the right measure of viciousness and femininity um. and romance to put into it. And she had a very strong character and it came across in a big way. In operas, if you have a double aria, it's what the woman does that really matters. The man lies. The woman tells the truth. It it That recording does strike me as like, not operatic but like it feels like a play it yeah. feels very um cinematic yeah cinematic yeah. a storytelling and and like a dialogue between these two singers that you can like really see yeah almost visualize so, so this, I, li I like that comparison so this song 
was awesome pretty much right away. It, it reached all the way to number two on the Christmas like charts. Wow, and, and this is the 80s. Yeah, I can't okay. remember the one that got number one. It's some lame song no one cares about now, but <laughs> um, number it was number two. Well, 80s, you would arguably maybe have last Christmas, <laughs> right? Wham, it was, it was, a Brit- it was like a British, <laughs> it was much more British than Wham. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. So, but that song was around is all I'm saying. Like so that's a big competition. And I think this song has charted, I think it was like 17 more times since then. Like, holy shit. And it's always in the top 10. It's, it's, I think uh, VH1 called it the greatest Christmas song of all time. There's wow. been multiple publications that call it the greatest Christmas song of all time. And uh, that was kind of the initial story of it. And then, of course, time comes around and there's some lyrics in this song that aren't so common anymore. And uh, the track was censored by Radio 1 back in 2007. But that decision was swiftly reversed after an outcry by its fans. What? Radio 1, uh, their station controller, Andy Parfit, yeah. uh, said at the time, uh, explaining why they they decided to bring Censor the original, it. no, uncensored. Oh, sorry, uncensored. Because it was censored. And then what he said, like, everyone came for the, the radio station. They're like, are you serious? Wow. <laughs> like, you're censoring this song? That's great. In 2007. And I really like this quote i think i think it's something that people need to take into into their hearts and 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 think about before they get outraged by something he said we feel like radio one's audiences are smart enough to distinguish between maliciousness and creative freedom wow yeah and that there was no negative intent behind the use of the word so I, I like that a lot. What it's like there's it? a difference between maliciousness, right. like in a malicious word, and then a word that is used in a creative way to tell a story. Like if we were to have a movie where they use this, the word in question is the other F word. And uh, if someone were to say that in a movie, mm. we wouldn't think that we should not play the movie or like censor the word. And of course there's different connotations because this is in like, radio airwaves so anyone could potentially be listening so it's a little bit different are they but um what sorry let me finish what i was going to say is it's a creative expression it's that character in the movie that's saying that it's not the director that's it's saying like when that, quentin tarantino's you know that, or the white yeah. characters well, he say the n-word a lot <laughs> yeah like a lot like a lot a lot but so i think that's i think that's important to think about is the creative expression of the song this is a very lyrical storytelling song about a vicious ugly relationship right in the middle of christmas like and i think that is it appropriate for 10 a.m. radio i don't know but i don't think that like this guy says that audiences are smart enough to distinguish yeah between maliciousness and creative freedom and it's not like and understand sort of dialogue storytelling where it's like it's it's the it's the language of this character yeah it's not like he's like the christmas song is like merry christmas except for all you out there you right. know it's like not hateful yeah it's, it's just a song it. a storytelling song so then i i really liked what shane mcgowan said about it 
The word was used by the character because it fitted with the way she would speak and with her character. Hmm. She is not supposed to be a nice person or even a She's wholesome person. She's not supposed person. to be right, yeah. She is a woman of a certain generation at a certain time in history, and she is down on her luck and desperate. Her dialogue is as accurate as I can make it, but she is not intended to offend. She is just supposed to be an authentic character, and not all characters in songs and stories are angels or even decent and respectful. They shouldn't be, yeah. That would be boring and sometimes characters up. and songs and stories have to be evil or nasty in order to tell the story effectively yeah and it's just like duh like when you hear that you're just like oh my bad for being i, I shouldn't have been offended i'm sorry yeah you know it's just that kind of situation and um i think i think it's an awesome song and I i'm, don't I'm know. very anti-censorship so yeah i'm anti-censorship yeah. as well especially being an art history major and seeing all the times that they tried to censor like paintings of naked people and they're like this is a fence and you look back and you're like wow would we not have seen this if they'd lit this thing on fire or something anyway sorry and i, I uh and just to kind of encapsulate and i've said that word already five times so <laughs> no you're that, fine you're, you're <laughs> the not whole well like you. spirit of the song i thought <laughs> helen brown of the daily telegraph uh wrote something really beautiful about it okay. i think this is when it uh it might have been when it first came out but it might have been later i'm not sure entirely in careening wildly through a gamut of moods from maudlin to euphoric, sentimental to profane, mudslinging to sincerely devoted in the space of four glorious minutes, it seemed perfectly suited to Christmas, a time which highlights the disparity between the haves and the have-nots around the world. Those of us lucky enough to spend the day with friends and families by a cozy fire with a full stomach think of the lonely, the homeless, and the hungry. As Macaulay McGowan's dialogue descends from the ecstasy of their first kiss into an increasingly vitriolic argument, their words put the average family's seasonal bickering into perspective. You're mm. a bum, you're a punk, you're an old slut on junk. The song's row, which is an argument, ends with an expression of love and hope against all the odds. As McGowan's character promises McCall's that far from wrecking her dreams, he was kept he has kept them with his own and he can't make it alone, he pleads. I've built my dreams around you. It's very it's theater. Yeah. It's, it's just an amazing song. Everything's great about yeah. it. The lyrics, the 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 story, the music and it's it's not your typical Christmas song, but it's very, it's very perfectly Christmas. And um, that's pretty much all I have. I, ha I had something about um, Kirstie McCall's uh, untimely end, but I, I don't think that's really what this story is about. Yeah, so. it's, you can look it up. Stuart explained yeah. it to me earlier. It's and I was pretty messed up, but I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to end this with that. Leave, yeah, I'll leave that yeah. taste in your mouth. You can look it up if you... Um, desire to. Yeah. Um, that was great. Thank great you. Job. Um, it makes me want to listen to it right now, and I'll listen to it after we after we wrap. But oh, we uh, definitely will. Yeah, it's very my my first impression of it was oh this sounds like it's being pulled from it's like a song that's being pulled from a theater production like, like a, a Broadway play. theater. Yeah, it, sound, it, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, it the sounds songs, like a duet that's like, on stage and very theatrical and very like character driven. Like the lyrics are like poignant to each separate character, which yeah. is really hard to do when you're writing. Um, it's it's one one person or I guess maybe multiple people, but writing for two different characters in a song. Like I I have trouble writing 
basic song lyrics of like from one point of view and i'm like oh you're taking two points of view and you're arguing them against each other that's like script writing uh cat stevens does it he writes a song called father and son and it's like an argument between a father and son um and the father's like trying to tell him to slow down and like settle down and like chill out and like it's not time to make a change relax take it easy and then the son's going i've got to make my own way and i've got to do my own thing and they're like and the whole song is them going back and forth and it's just cat stevens singing in a lower register and a higher register (laughs) and it's amazing because he's captured what's the song called? it's called father and son by cat stevens and he's captured both arguments really like uh genuinely like you you hear both of them and you're like i think cynthia mom said to me they're like as i get older i I relate more to the dad, but when I was younger, I related to the kid, you know, and it's yeah. like, it's, vi- it's beautifully written. And I'm always so impressed with that song. And this one reminds me of it where they, they're writing from two characters point of view that are opposing arguments and they're both believable. Anyway, I just, it's such a feat. But that what you're saying is exactly what else is like, I forgot to mention is really cool about this song is it's written in a Broadway style yeah. about flamed out, broadway stars like that's like what their dream was she was uh and we're at the end now and that didn't happen it didn't happen and And that's so like real world shit too like the older we get we're like oh this thing didn't happen it didn't happen the way you thought it didn't happen happen the way you thought it would yeah or you wished it and that's that's real heartbreak that's not just like my boyfriend left me that's like real life (laughs) fucking hard shit and that's what we love here at radio we love the most real life hard shit (laughs) That's why we covered Lonely This Christmas, which is arguably one of the saddest Christmas songs, yeah. but I love it. It's well, do you want to get into something oh, a little yeah. bit more fun? Sorry, okay. that, that song is like really poignant and like <laughs> sad, and I love it so much, but it, it like it definitely kind of makes me feel sad like at the end of talking about it, like thinking about it in, that deeply. So um, I wanted to ask you, and then I'll go, uh, what do you think? And we don't like to be negative, so we won't be negative, but what's what's your least favorite Christmas song? What annoys you the most? So, <laughs> mine is controversial, and uh, it's a Beatle, right? It is a Beatle. <laughs> so that in itself is always controversial. But my least favorite Christmas song, and there's a lot of them, and there were some honorable yeah. mentions for me. Obviously, the oh, hippo- I want to hear the honorable the, mentions. Uh, the hippopotamus one is <laughs> is tough. I want the hippopotamus for Christmas. <laughs> Santa Baby's a little tough. I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not either. Yeah. But my, the one that you really hate Bob Dylan's out, must be Santa. Oh, that one's tough too. But it's not as it's repetitive. It's Who's got a run? Who's got a run? Yeah, that yeah, one's just, that one's tough. Must um, be Santa. Yeah, it's the one, one the one that I really don't like. There's actually one that I don't like that's even more controversial. So I'm not even gonna say it. Wait, but no, one, say it. Oh, you can't just leave. I don't even know what you're talking about. You can't just leave us on a. I d- I haven't liked that wham christmas song oh that's okay i like it but i hadn't heard it until colin started playing it um i like the when i was in santa barbara living with him and i was just like what is this and then like i realized people like really love that song people love last christmas but it just has never done it for me and so i'm not a last christmas guy i think it's the number two like i'm basing this off spotify's like top 100 christmas songs or whatever but number one's mariah carey's yeah and then number two i believe is wham's last wow. christmas yeah. yeah so that is not a and then uh, ariana ariana grande covered it recently and so it's oh, it's getting a, okay, a whole okay. new gotcha 
audience. And but she's, it, she's the greatest American band of all time. She so, is. We decided yeah. this on the last <laughs> podcast. You should listen to how we get Spoiler to Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's never I like his sort of whispery singing. I don't know. I... So my my real least favorite one was Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. And that's because it's so damn repetitive. It never changes. I I like it, but it's it gets old. It's tough to defend. I feel like it's you tough can, to defend. I feel like Paul McCartney was just like I'm going to be fucking signing checks <laughs> he makes for about, the next 800 he makes years. about half a million a year on that song yeah. alone and mariah carey makes about half a mil which is probably way drop more in the it's got to be way more it, uh, because like five hundred thousand dollars. i think that's back in the day when it was like played on radio you know but now it's like people can stream things and i think yeah i think mariah carey is and download things and song. buy just one song instead of a whole record and compile playlists where that song yeah. plays a million times that's like the number one christmas song and it, i mean that's great but anyway please don't send me too much hate i know that's uh no i I, I mean we were like you know we've said a lot of controversial things in this podcast about baby it's cold outside baby it's cold outside and i think i think it's kind of hip to to defend it like everyone wants to shit on it I and mean, it's like i think it's a little bit like hey it's being covered recently by bands we love and yeah. they're switching the genders and it's it's still a <laughs> it's a good song i think there's i think there's troubling language i'm not gonna fucking gloss no, over yeah, that yeah, i definitely. think there's absolutely stuff that's gonna well c- trouble troubling in today's exactly uh, not in 1944 yeah. but in today's and mm-hmm. i'm not defending the lyrics in any way i'm just you know it's of its time and i think we can bring it back to life uh, there was one band that I can't remember the name of them, but they like rewrote some of the lyrics yeah. and made it even, you know, less weird. And um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, so my least favorite Christmas song is kind of a basic one. I think it's, uh, I have two and the second one might be controversial. The first one is grandma got run over by a reindeer. I oh. think I just hate it. Um, and then the second one, it's a song that I really don't like. And it's you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh no! I just don't like that it. One, so the problem with that one is the weird like monologues da, da, in the middle. Where, da, 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 no, no, no! That da, part's da, cool. Come on, it's just that too, part's cool. Like, I just the, the can't part that's get tough is it. like the the like twenty minutes in the middle or however long the song we is, watched, where it's like, and then he was up on the mountain. I mean, and he there's was that, but down, like, and you're like, dude, can we just hear the main part of the song? It's just a little. I mean, I guess the whole thing's a little cheesy, but did you know that I think it's Tony the Tiger vocalizes that song? That the was same one of the guy? fun facts. Yeah, the guy who does Tony the Tiger is the you're I, I, a mean one. That's Mr. fun. I'm pretty sure that's one of the fun facts I that's read today. That's a fun fact. But that's um, and maybe maybe Frosty the Snowman is one of my least favorite. Oh, my kids love that song, dude. I just it's it just something creeps me out. Anyway, <laughs> now we're going to talk about our five favorite oddball Christmas songs each, and we're going to go quick. Um, from our playlist, Radio Keys presents. Do they Rock have to be Christmas. oddball, or can they just be my favorite? They can be your favorite. Yeah, they don't have. To, I mean, not all of these are oddball. Like we have, like you know, Roy Orbison, the Everly Brothers, you know, uh, Elvis on here. There's some really Chuck Berry. There's some yeah. really normal ones on here, and then there's some weird ones. So, what do you have? Well, my favorite is Fair- Fairy Tale of New York. Yeah, by the Pogues, and then my second favorite is. The Growlers version of Lonely, Lonely this, this Christmas. Christmas I love great. those songs. Yeah. I think they're great. Um, He's got a great... The The thing that I've found hard about Lonely This Christmas is you start an octave down and then you go an octave up. 
Yeah. And his voice is, is really perfect for that. Yeah. What are your uh, some of your top ones? Um, I really love, I was going to play it for a second, uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp's When Was Jesus Born? It's not really a Christmas song, but it's just like super gospel yeah. and fucking catchy. And so you, you've never been bothered by like the, the, the super Christian like Christmas song? Not like we're we're more that, of the secular type, like that Christmas type of gospel, upbringing. Like this type of gospel. Like I just I can I can lean into it. I was in gospel choir in college. Mm-hmm. I'm not religious at all, but I I I just yeah. I thought the music was fun. Um, one of the ones I found this year that I really loved is Paul Simon's Getting Ready for Christmas Day. It's kind of funky, but I've been listening to a lot more Paul Simon recently. Oh, yeah. Sock he's it, a great American. The one that I was talking about before that I really like. Sock liked, It To Me Santa. Sock It To Me Santa by uh, Bob Seger and the the last heard. So not the Silver Bullet Band, but it kind of starts out slow, but then. Yeah. That's the one I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah. Oh See, it does yeah, that, they yeah. Call, oh, it does I didn't realize they did that. Um, um, do you want to do one now? Um, my one of my favorite bands is The Strokes. Julian Casablancas has a solo record, and one of the songs is called "Christmas Treat." Oh yeah, and yeah, that's uh, a great one. I wish it was Christmas today. Um, yeah, that's a great. That's one. a great song. So that that's on my on my list as well. Um, I like the Killers ver- uh, song, Don't Shoot Me Santa. Don't shoot me Santa. Uh, I didn't know anything about that song until I met Amber a couple she years ago. It. And so she good. introduced it to me last Christmas. And I love I love that one. It's so weird. Classic Killers, yeah. great hook. Yeah, I love it. But it's a great it's a great one. Um, we did a podcast on monophonics. And Kelly Finnegan, right? Yeah, the main. He's the main. So he did a Christmas record this year, and he. I think we have three of his songs on our on our playlist, but my favorite is Santa's Watching You, and it's basically like, like a soul version of like you better watch out, and it's just super funky. So that's that's his stuff. Always sounds so vintage. It's (sighs) better watch out. Yeah. So that that's that's incredible. and just kind of unique. And uh, I'm just going to say one more. I think I've already said five, but I'll say one more. Um, I really like the Ventures version of Sleigh Ride. Oh, is it? It's, it's all instrumental or is it? It's all, it's the Ventures are, an, are a surf band. Yeah, they, they, they do all the surf rock. So it's like this. Yeah. Yeah. And it... Uh, Yeah. yeah, it's just a, oh, it's like a surf rock version of it. So that's the one that's one that I really enjoy. I'll say two more. I love um I love this Christmas by Donny Hathaway, but that's that's not really a B side. Um, Loretta Lynn does "To Heck with Old Santa Claus." Well, to heck with old Santa Claus. She does like this kind of anyway uh, anti Santa song that's really fun, uh, like old school Dolly Parton esque country. Um, and then the Enchanters do a song that I learned recently that's, uh, it's like a Mambo style. It's called Mambo Santa Mambo. And it's a, like a Mambo style Christmas song and it's got like the jingle bells. Well, that's fun. And it's Mambo Santa Mambo. And so <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Isn't it great? Yeah. So, and then there's like a high singing It reminds guy. me of the Banana Boat song. By Henry uh, was is it Henry Belafonte? Is that it, Henry Belafonte? God, but Bonav- 
Fonte. The oh Mamba my God! Is, is, now everyone is screaming at their Hen, uh, Harry Belafonte. Harry, Harry Belafonte. <laughs> Be- Harry Belafonte. Mambo. Yeah. It sounds a lot like Harry Belafonte. So there, yeah, we've got some gems on here. Check it out. Made it just for you guys. There's some great stuff on here. Yeah, and I think that'll pretty much wrap us up. Yeah. Um, basically, we've been recording a lot of Christmas material, mm-hmm. but we have some new stuff that'll be on the horizon pretty soon. But to find our Christmas material, you can go on YouTube. All three live performances are on our YouTube channel. It's yeah. Lonely This Christmas, uh, Santa Bring My Baby Back to Me, and Run Rudolph Run. And it's full video. Live and, from uh, the mix. Red Room. Live from the Red Room. We decorated and, it all for Christmas. And if you want to listen to them, just don't you know donate to the band, buy the tracks, whatever, have them in your back pocket. You can go to our Bandcamp page, and you can purchase those there. And that's uh, if you go to our website, RadioKeysMusic.com, there'll be links to our YouTube and also our Bandcamp page. Nice. So, I'm Stuart. I'm Emily. And we're going to keep searching for that sweet soul music. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays.
especially all of our friends who joined us. And also to wish everyone a really happy holidays and a really happy, much better New Year.